Hey everybody, this is Vin. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Decoding 40. Before we start the show, we need to pay some bills. This episode is brought to you by Creamy.one. Creamy.one. Creamy is your premier source for adult toys and goods. They carry unique brands for empowered singles and couples interested in exploring their sexuality. So head over to Creamy.one. Creamy.one. That's C-R-E-A-M-I-E dot O-N-E. Don't forget to use code DECODEN40 for that 15% discount. Creamy.one. This is a special best of episode of Decoding 40. Decoding 40. What's up? This is Mac, aka Mr. Raw, making all your fantasies come true. Zello, live from BK, but residing in Harlem. What's up? It's your boy Vin, aka Vinny Pugazi, master of impressions. Yo, what's up? This is Alar. And I'm talking directly into the mic. Welcome to the stage, guys. <laughs> Hello, Google. I just do heroin. That sounds gross. No, you're just trying to play me out. Oh, sure. Stop being a This is a trigger warning. Killed 50 people. Politics, racism, sexual abuse, superstitious bullshit. Don't let me finish. Welcome to Decoding 40. In this episode, you're gonna hear the best segments of 2021 picked by the Decoding 40 crew. Enjoy. My youngest, who's who just turned eight last month, is like bawling in his room. And we're like, what happened? You know, so we're in our room and we're like, you know, we're calling his name. And then he comes into our room and he's crying and he's like inconsolable. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? And I think I was trying to get something done for the show. And I'm like, all right, let me take a moment to step out of this and then listen to what he was saying and then when he said it i was like are you fucking kidding me so he goes i was thinking about i don't want to be nine because of all the responsibilities that come with being nine. <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is that frederick douglas reborn like what's going on <laughs> With this little boy. What uh, did you tell him he was responsible for? Did you laugh immediately? That's what I, was, I was trying to get a sense of what is it that you are going to be taking on in the next year so we can be aware of it. Because apparently you're having secret meetings in your bedroom. And some point you told him you're going to pay all the bills. Oh, shit. Joe Biden asked him to be on a committee of some kind. I, I believe he's been asked work. to be on a secret mission and we yeah. just won't see him again until he's 29. But it, it just, it, I just bust out laughing. He got upset because I was laughing, uh, but I was like, yeah, that's funny. Like, how is that not funny? He was by himself in his room. Yes. And thought about I, it. He was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that. He must have saw a video. My birthday's <laughs> coming in March. I'm going to do that. Yo, he must have seen a video and something something triggered that because that's some funny shit to me. That was crazy. Like like he saw a video, don't turn nine or right. this so will happen. Exactly. Like, were you just watching something? Like what happened to make you wow. have this reaction? He never answered the question, so we just kind of let it alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so. But yeah, other than that, um, we had a uh, breakfast, brunch slash dinner-ish type thing. We ate out of control. Yeah. A lot of good food. Um, oh, for New one Year's, more we had question. A, yeah, one more question in relation to, did you ask the other child what he may have told the younger child about what happens when you turn I nine? Did. I asked, like, did you talk to your brother or something? Like what? I, it just was so incredible <laughs> that he had this reaction. It was just, it's just so like, I'm thinking like, okay, the oldest had to say something to him or he was watching. What, <laughs> what do you mean I got to work in a field? <laughs> what field? <laughs> You don't know that, that that's what dad's going to do. He's going to put you in a car. He's going to drive you out to the field. You're going to have to fucking pick shit all day. <laughs> what are you talking about? Until you know, you're 10. Until you're 10. And then after you're free. <laughs> and then you're free. Uh, yo. That's oh. what I had to do. Remember yeah. when I was going? <laughs> he was like, thinking back. Hold up. <laughs> no. Um, what's crazy is that I used to do crazy shit like that with, with, with my youngest when she was little. There was a green building 
on uh, 440 was this big, ominous-looking green building that looked like a like a hangar, some sort of aircraft hangar. And I got to tell him, I said, if you're bad, I'm going to take you to the green building. <laughs> so, with my imagination, of course. All of the year award goes hey, to. Listen, sometimes you got to fear into doing the right thing, right? So, um, so, and people go to listen to this like, this thing is, is ridiculous. So I would tell her story and, you know, my imagination, like, yeah, you know, they keep all the children in there who are bad. They make them work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't really feed you much. So if you're bad, you gotta go to the green building. So we would go by the green building. And I said, You gonna you gonna start acting, you gonna act good. She's like, Yeah, don't take me to the green building, please. Traumatized. And, I, I had an awful thought if you just pulled in front of the building, jumped out the car, opened her door, and just started grabbing her. <laughs> <laughs> pulling it towards the building <laughs> but then what was funny is that because i guess my daughter appreciated my storytelling abilities because i I used to make up stories for as, as a child as well good stories but the green building story it would take a life on its own because then she would ask me so what do they eat in the green building i'm like eat they don't eat you just eat work not. you eat whatever's left you know what i mean and i would just tell her and then she was like i guess she she started liking the story so she would ask certain questions to get more out of me <laughs> Like, what do they do? Nah, what do they like, make? This motherfucker's full of shit. Let me break up this story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what they denomination are they paid in? <laughs> Word? <laughs> they not eating. <laughs> How tall is the guy inside? <laughs> Word? <laughs> what he uh, eating? What, he, <laughs> uh, oh, what kind man. of security cameras do they have? <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but yeah, but the other cool thing we did was we had a lot of actually my wife is becoming like the super party planner. So we did like this Sunday uh, challenge with all family members through Zoom and everybody had to get the ingredients and make their Sunday and everybody ate it. So that was cool. And then we did this art project. So it was I had I haven't drawn anything in years, but it was fun to sit down at the table with everybody and draw. But the coolest thing well, it's not the coolest thing because the cool things with the family were really cool. But we sat and watched Tenet, the movie Tenet. Have you guys watched Tenet? No. No, With I didn't JD want to pay Washington. $20 for it. I do want to watch it, though. It actually is worth it. I wanted $20. to wait for the theater. I yeah. wanted to wait for the theater, but maybe I shouldn't wait. Crazy confusing. Like, so if you liked Inception, it's more confusing than Inception. Mm. It is definitely going to blow your mind. I've got to watch now it I want again. to pay $20. Now yeah. I want to pay $20. It is like, what is happening? And then I started looking looking at the different um, possible... Um, theories that they could have been portraying in the movie and it just it is nuts so i highly 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 recommend this and uh, wow yeah and the other movie if i'm doing movie reviews uh sylvie's love with tessa thompson and i can't think of his name because it's an african name and probably would be very easy to say in a year or two because this dude is an awesome actor is he the um, one who played Martin Luther King in Selma or no? No, 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 no. This is Kerry Washington's husband. Oh, okay. But really good movie, solid film. Really? It's I couldn't it get through the first 30 minutes. Oh man. It was I, I think I like the simplicity of it. It wasn't trying to be anything other than a love story. And that's what I liked about it. It didn't the connection between the two in the beginning didn't feel real. Mm. It felt contrived. It felt like it was leading somewhere. It's sort of like, you know, these two these two are supposed to be getting together, but you can't really see why they're even attracted to each other other than I, they, they're attractive people. I think that's a fair criticism, but I just liked it because I, I didn't think it was trying to be anything other than a nice. Thing. And I didn't like that they tried to make it look like New York and they obviously filled it on the soundstage in Los Angeles. That's I hate true. that. And the other movie I saw was um, Education. I skipped. <laughs> so you you put me on The Small Axe by Steve McQueen. And um, there's five episodes in this one anthology of films. Yeah. And we were looking for something to watch late night. And we were like, all right, we're not watching anything that's going to make us want to go start the revolution. So Education was the least <laughs> militarizing film of the last three that we need to watch. So we watched that still got pissed off, but not as pissed <laughs> off as the first right. two, uh, at least the first film. Mangrove. Yeah. Mangrove. Yeah. So it's been a lot of food, a lot of movies and a lot of time with family. So I had a good time. That's awesome. Awesome way to spend your time. Absolutely. And to 
just kind of get rid of 2020, slid into 2021 on some real cautious shit. So I saw a meme that was like, what if at 12 midnight, it just becomes uh, December 32nd? (laughs) (laughs) You guys are not leaving ever. I own you bitches. Leave a message after the tone. Hi, guys of the Coding 40. This is Nakia. This is PJ Ryan. Blackbeat. This is Ralph from Mighty Fragrant Body Oils. This is your number one fan, McKinney. This is the Coding 40. Yesterday, I had my first colonoscopy. Um, everything, uh, Went went smoothly. Everything is uh, all well in the old pooper. I've got pictures if you guys want to see it. You know, uh, we good on that. Took some snapshots. Uh, that's gonna Wait, be on the Patreon. You took snapshots. I was. like, what? We're gonna put that on Patreon. Rick hired a photographer. Yes, if, if, if you if you'd like to see the snapshots of uh, my. Inter- hey, $5, $5. I'm on Dakota 40 uh, Patreon. I'm, I'm yeah, be happy to do so. I'd be happy to do so. You can do the silhouette uh, challenge. This shit was so smooth. So I had the IV in my arm. The anesthesiologist came. He said, I'm going to give you a shot and, you know, you're going to go to sleep. And it was no bullshit. Like I felt a little warm surge going up my arm. It went to my neck. To that sleep. was the last thing I remember. Lights out. And I woke up and the shit was over. Um, so who knows what they were doing? So but, um wait, don't leave it like that. That's so <laughs> so the date so, so, no, no, no. I'm fucking around. Here's the thing, right? We're we're men in our forties. And my wife pushed me to to go do this because you know it's 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 that time like we're we're more susceptible to uh, colon cancer, black men facts, and we're less likely to go see doctors. Um, and I'm I'm actually glad, and she's going to be happy to hear this that she pushed me to do this because. Left on left to my own devices, I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. But we can't do that. We have to make sure that our health is good, and we have to be proactive in making sure that uh, all is all is well. And and especially shit like that, like we're coming to those our age where we're more in danger of 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 uh, getting sick with yeah. with some of these diseases. So I encourage all the men who are listening now, who are forty five and older. Set up an appointment now. Like it's literally nothing. You go to sleep. If you want to go take a nap on a pillow on your side, just go get a colonoscopy. It's the best sleep ever. Yeah, like, I felt so rested. Yeah, it is. Now you I see why Michael Jackson is doing it. He's give me some profile, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> if, if all I needed was some anesthesia. And I'd be very well rested. Listen, did they give you the lollipop after? I didn't receive a lollipop. You didn't get a lollipop? Okay. I got did anyone go cuddle you? Were you cuddled? No one was cuddling. <laughs> oh, hold up. Hold up. When he woke up, when he woke up, the doctor was washing, <laughs> the doctor was washing their hands. That was great, sir. You know, <laughs> I was able to get two fingers in your ass. <laughs> See, Vince's doctor doesn't wash his hands, yeah, so exactly. <laughs> that's why he, he's so surprised to hear my doctor wash his hand, wash her hands. And I have a, I have a black woman GI doctor. Would that's you recommend her? Uh, I would. I mean, I guess she was I'm, gentle. No, I'm not saying on the show. I'm just saying, would you recommend oh. her in general? Yeah, in general, I would. I would definitely. I definitely would. I like the idea of giving that business to us when, Pause. when, whenever possible. Pause. You know what I mean? Yeah. You were just that waiting. Head. You were just waiting for that. I, I knew you, you was waiting for me to finish that sentence. No. He had that. He had that clip loaded. Here comes the pitch. He had it cocked and ready to go. Hold up. Here comes the pitch. And Jackie Robinson swings. It's a shot, man. I don't feel well. Yeah, I was sitting there like, how's the trunk space? 
Oh my god! Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. The doctor, nice the doctor the whispered uh, in his ears, like, "It's gonna hurt a little bit, baby, but you just <laughs> right it. I got it's you. Not gonna hurt a bit." Nah, I um, I've had I've had it before, had one before. Um, probably when in my late thirties or early forties, like forty around that time, I had one. Um, because I was having um gastrointestinal is like just my stomach was bothering me all the time and and i just wanted to make sure that it wasn't anything serious and i had the colonoscopy and I actually had one um uh, the the one the camera they put into your stomach through your throat i had that done as well so it's you they put you to sleep of course for both both situations and it's it's a little nerve-wracking but then when you get the report like my doctor he had a video and everything he was like yeah you know everything was fine we didn't find anything and you're put at ease because shit, you know, like Rick said, you could fucking be fine one day and the next day find out, you know, you got two days to live. And that's that's a horrible feeling. Yo, this is Vincent, a.k.a. Many Voices. Hey, what's up? This is Alaric, and I'm speaking directly into the mic. This is Mac, a.k.a. Mr. Rourke, making all your dreams come true. This is Hello. Thank you for listening to Decoding 40. Make sure that you follow us. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Do we tweet? A little bit. We tweet. Follow us on Twitter. No Snapchat at all. And go to www.decoding40.com. Make sure you sign up so you can keep following us. Thank you for listening to Coding 40, <laughs> goddammit. All right, what are we talking about this week? Right now, the Democrats are in power. Uh, Biden, Biden and team are, are in power. And um, they passed a stimulus bill. And one of the things they could not get through even though they have the majority of, of control, but they don't have 60 votes in, in the Senate, is a $15 minimum wage. So the conversation in the decoding 40 circles is, why can't the Democrats pass a $15 minimum wage? And should they pass a $15 minimum wage? What do you guys think about that? And I, I'm going to come around to Vin last because he and I are probably going to clash on that. But what do you guys think about a $15 minimum wage? And, and also why the Dems can't pass it? I think it's possible to have a $15 minimum wage. I don't think Dems or Republicans want it because they both are beholden to corporations. And corporations don't want it because it just decreases their profit. They have to make more money than they did the last time. Mm -hmm. So the idea of reducing profits to increase the benefit of the employee doesn't make sense to corporations. But then you have corporations that started that way, like a Home Depot or a Lowe's or, or even a Starbucks, where they gave their employees great benefits and a great salary from the start, from the beginning. And that's part of their culture. So we now have to retrain America to understand that that culture is possible. I think the corporation piece is one side of the equation. The other side is the small business piece. And I think that's where most of the pushback comes from. Because in the corporations, that's where you see the most egregious disparity between salaries and when it comes to the executive level to the labor side. But for small businesses, the argument is that these small businesses would be put out of business because with the higher hourly rate, they would not be able to afford or continue to afford a certain number of headcount or if they were unable to pass along the cost to the consumer, they would somehow be adversely affected, which is still hasn't truly been borne out. And we don't really know if that's actually true, but that's the argument. The other side of the argument is that those who are against the federal minimum would suggest that this is actually a detriment to unskilled or unskilled laborers because who's going to get those higher paying rates? Skilled laborers. So you're going to displace people who would normally be able to get a job and those who are have more experience or can contribute to the company, I guess, in a, in a better and more valuable way are going to be able to get those jobs. That too has not been borne out, but these are the arguments. And then there's also the argument that if you do raise the federal minimum, you are going to have higher retention, lower churn in terms of your headcount and your labor force because people are going to want to work for the wages that they're receiving. So if you get higher wages, then it may suggest that you're going to be more willing to stay with that company. Okay. Let me say something before you start your argument. 
because I remember a long time ago, your argument was that the poverty line was somewhere in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. You made a statement before on one of the podcasts. Six, $68,000 in yeah. New York City. In right, New York yeah. City, yeah, I said that. So before you Under say- that is poverty. But, but before you say anything about $28,000, please, I hope, I hope it's good. Because you can't possibly have an argument to say that $28,000 is too much when you said 68,000 was the poverty level. And sorry, I, I need to correct in real time. The poverty level federally is 24.6. So okay. raising people to 28,000 would bring them technically above the poverty line. So there's, so there's a couple of things here. Vin works in a unionized position. So his perspective comes from that position majoritively. Absolutely that, not. My, first right. of all, me being in a union or a union representing my needs, that has nothing to do with my personal politics and what I believe in. I believe in this way before I work for what I work for. I and think I'm, that pe- because I've had shit mm-hmm. jobs and had to mm-hmm. deal with shit heads and assholes. And when you do jobs like that and you get treated like shit, you deserve to make more money. The motherfuckers who saved us during the pandemic don't even make more than minimum wage in some places. That's correct. That's, That's what's right. fucked up. And these are the mm-hmm. same people who have to decide whether to eat. Am I going to eat or am I going to pay a fucking light bill? Why do people deserve to be like okay. that? With all of that said, I'm also in a union. I'm in 1199 with my side job. I get that. Now I'm a small business owner and 99% of the businesses, 99.9% of all companies in America are small businesses. And the problem is, is that to get work done, we need, that's not how, I love what you guys are saying, but that's not how this works. It's great to say everybody should just make enough money to have whatever they want. But unfortunately, that's not how life works. You get paid commensurate to the value that you create, not just because you're standing there. Who determines the value that you create? If I have 10 people or I have 20 people that work for me and I'm paying them $10 an hour and then I now have to pay those people $15 an hour, a couple of things need to happen for that to be true. The market has to be willing to pay me the difference or I got to lay somebody off. No. Or I got to give them less hours. No, this is a, well, well, I'm not telling well, you, I'm saying, not telling you, you're maybe. saying, you're I'm, saying, I'm not telling you no, hypotheticals. I'm no, telling no, you, you're saying, the truth. you're saying that you no. have to, you have to have the same amount of profit. This, in order for you to have the same amount of profit, you have to lay somebody off. You have to take from their plate to put back on your plate. Not even put back I'm, to maintain. That's what you said. To maintain your margin. Why is the business that I created where I'm employing them? I'm putting food on it. How am I taking from them? It's a symbiotic relationship. If they want the job, how much money are you going to make? If you don't have employees, you also can't do your job. If If I pay $15 an hour for me, the small business, I'm paying them $28,000. Do you guys know it's not $28,000 to me? To me, it's like $33,000, $34,000, even though they get twenty-eight. dollars because I got to pay payroll taxes. I got to pay. I got to pay workman's comp. I got to pay insurance. I got to pay all these other fees as a small business that I got to eat out of my margin. And wages, and wages. And wages. 20 years the, ago. 20 how, years how ago. How are you taking home? Because I created the value. I created the asset. No, 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 of course no, no, no. I'm supposed no, no. to take the, ma- okay, the most okay. home. But, but that's my question. What's yeah. a fair amount to you that will allow you to pay someone a livable wage? <laughs> I tell you what, I don't take enough yeah. home. And I don't know. I tell you what, I don't take enough home. You're not and answering the any, question. I, and I don't know any small business owner who does. Who does. So it doesn't, so it doesn't matter. Oh, no, it doesn't no. matter to you how the person who works for you lives. It doesn't. It only matter. matters how much it no, it doesn't. Sure. It, doesn't. it only matters how much you how, or yeah, how well you live. But 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 I but I'm, also, but I'm but I'm also not a charity. I'm a business. And the sole what? purpose there's a big divide between those two points. I want everybody because you, hold because on, you hold can on. have a Walmart and you can also have a Starbucks and they have two completely different corporate cultures. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of space between the two. You're saying you're either a charity or you're a robber baron. And I'm saying there's a lot of space in between that. You can't equate me to a publicly traded company that has a a hundred million dollars 
no, slush I'm, fund I'm, I'm, from the stock I'm, market. I'm equating your. I'm equating your. I'm equating. I'm equating your argument. I'm equating your argument. I'm equating your argument for this not being feasible. I'm trying. That's to what I'm equating. Question. So let me answer your question. The definition of a business is an entity whose sole purpose is to generate a profit. That's what it is. And when it does that, people attack it. Now, is, with that what, said, what, hold on. With what, that what's said, the with that what, said, what are you definition? talking about, bro? What hold the on. fuck are you talking about? I'm a small business owner. There's another entrepreneur on here as well. Mm-hmm. This is not about I hate corporations. I hate business owners. No, it's about what our future is going to be in this country. What is the equity? If we keep stripping away the working class, what's going to be left? There is what people would like to make and is what I can afford to pay. And that's always been the case. And that will never change. The market is always going to dictate. You're making it seem like I'm making this call as you a small business. No, because you're, you're being no, so you're, dismissive of the labor force. I'm not they being are, dismissive of the labor force. I'm telling you, you this is what I can afford to they, pay. Their only value is to show up and to make you money. I didn't say that. When did I say that? What I said is you, did, you didn't say those exact words, sir. But you did. So if say I didn't say that, then don't in put so those many words, words you did. No, what, what you're saying is that their value is dictate. I asked you earlier who dictates no. their value. There is there is a there is a mathematical value for every who? single person that works with us. There's a mathematical way. All right. I'm the, done, the, the, okay, <laughs> the, the business dictates it. A third you're not look, look. Okay. My, you're not is this, the is question. It the, is it the Wizard of Oz? Like, third, who's dictating? Who is they? A third, a third, a third. I'm gonna explain it to you. A third goes to the employee. No, he didn't say what the equation was. He said who decides. And I this told you the, the market. Equation. I told you the market, and you don't like it. The market, the market is gonna dictate. Answer it. But that, that, that's that's, the, that's the a market. one word. You're that's saying not, who? Because you're trying to make it an individual. What decision. market? What market? Who? What market? Okay, it really is. Because each state has determined that there's a different minimum wage set. If each state can go through that process, I'm pretty sure each business can go through that same similar process. Each business does go through does. that similar each process. Does go I know. I'm being fucking okay. sarcastic. Here, here's what we know. Without regulations, corporations do whatever the fuck they want. It's not just about small business. It's also about Walmart is one of the biggest employers in the country. McDonald's is one of the biggest employers in the country. True. If all of their employees also have to be on public assistance in order to make ends meet, minimum wage is not enough. It's not the corporation that pays for that. Economy and on the system. Exploiting the working class is the problem. And whether it's a big corporation or whether it's small business, it's a problem. But we can fix it. We can fix that. How but can we fix we it? Have to- How can we fix it? We give every, by, we just give everybody twenty five dollars an hour. No, but you no. shift the culture. I, like I, like That's I, what he just said. Right, you exactly. What culture. I said is, it's not, it's not a dollar amount. We can keep them all the same numbers right now that we have today, but everybody gets a cut off of their rent or their mortgage or property taxes, whatever it is, whatever right. it needs to be in order for this culture to say, we don't have to exploit the working class in order to to be profitable. Let's just say we kicked up everybody's wage to $25 an hour. That means right now, somebody who's making $50,000 an hour is not going to want to work for $50,000 an hour. So now that $50,000 an hour person... We're talking about Puffy? $50,000 an hour? A year. So right now, there's somebody working for $50,000, which is roughly about $25 an hour. So now the person who's making $25 an hour, who is a dropout, a high school drop, a sophomore, sophomore high school dropout versus this person who has a master's degree who's working for 55K is not going to want to work for 55K. So now they're going to work for, they're going to want to work for 100K. Then the person who's working for 100K is not going to want to make 200K. And the person who's working for that company that's making 200K is not going to make 400k and now your First box of, of stereo your, your example was a because nobody's talking about 25 dollars an hour as a minimum but if you bring it up to 15 dollars it's the same thing so here's my here's my thing <laughs> wait 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 wait, wait. Well, here's wait. My thing. 15 is not this 15 dollars is not the same oh as 25 dollars no just it's not math. the same thing <laughs> i can't do it so right now we have to move the numbers just to ha- let people survive in this country survival that's it do you know anyone 
who is surviving on $7.50 an hour. But moving it to $15 an hour won't even have you covered in New York. Wait, you wait, still I wanna... got 14 roommates. It's not about moving the numbers. It's about changing the culture so that, yes, you cut into profits because these are profits that are not, it, it, it's not just this is how much I make. This is how much the market dictates I make. This is how much I am taking from this person not being able to live as a proper human being. This is how much that. I'm taking to exploit my employee. I want to I address something Rick keeps saying. Rick keeps saying explo exploitation instead of saying that yes. we're providing them an opportunity. So I want to address this because I also don't want to come off like you a- You sound a, real Republican a, with that shit right a, there. Look, dude, oh a, hold on, wait, let me finish. You, what I am saying is a low-skilled worker who works for minimum wage, first of all, those jobs are going away. They're going away due to automation. They're going away due to AI. They're going away due to robotics. So I'm a big fan- of UBI, universal basic income. I'm a big fan of what Andrew Yang is saying, where everyone should get a check. No. Now, and I'm saying that, hold on, I'm saying that because as much as I think culturally that's a great ideal, the problem is, is for thousands of years in the past and for hundreds of years to come, numbers are still going to dictate. So as much as what you're saying is great, the need for low-skilled workers is going away. Within the next 30 years, 30% jobs are going to be eliminated, that would undermine your whole premise because they're only going to be jobs that should be paid at a higher wage. We still have to figure out what's going to happen to those people who would normally be taking those jobs that are going to be outsourced by AI or out of, out of the country. But the answer and is that, not, but the answer is not to increase wages for those people. If you if if you're going to be you just fries, said you that they're going making, to. 72,000 a year, 68,000 a year to make fries. See, you keep making these nonsensical numbers. This is what is like killing the argument. Because now you're saying somebody who's on fries is going to make $72,000 a year. What are you talking about? How much did they get to wash lettuce? I guess 65 because you got to move up to fries. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Sister, man. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, it can't be these red herrings into the argument because otherwise we never do get to really determine what makes sense in the culture. And I actually, I, I didn't even think about it until Rick brought it up, but I think he makes a very strong argument that the whole idea is it's a culture shift. Right. Because so if what we shift to $15 an hour, your argument about everyone wanting to shift up is a real possibility. This is why I, I was saying that I didn't know how the universal basic income was going to work if there wasn't a culture shift. How is that going to work? Then everybody just raises their prices $1,000 because $1,000 is the base of what everybody has. It's they said the same thing about welfare. They said when you give people welfare, they're not going to be motivated to work. And all it's going to do is no, cause no, 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 no. This has nothing to this, No, this has nothing to do with people's I'm not motivation to work. People need help. Okay. But this has nothing to do. But you're helping them pay into a system I give them that a is minimum corrupt. Wage. Right. You have to change the system. This is what I'm saying It's like the culture of how we do business has to change because somebody is low skilled. Does that mean that they don't have the, the right to live a decent life? There's a house like three blocks from here that has that has more South American people living in it than I'm sure the law would be cool with. So, you know, you know I, don't, I had a room and I had a and I had a roommate in college. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is that, <laughs> uh, okay, you had a roommate in college. I had, I had a roommate in college Dude, because I couldn't afford the rent by myself. You sound wild right now. I sound wild. Okay. This is this is the whole. This is the. I whole had a thing. roommate in college. This this I is the whole thing, and some of my friends are black. This is the whole yeah. thing, right? <laughs> they want to keep so much of the people, the population, poor, right? Then they create this thing called oh, welfare. Wow. They pull up, they create this thing called welfare. And it, when I say they create this thing, they create this image of welfare. When welfare is a small percentage of the entire welfare system. So the corporations get us coming and going. They get to continue to maintain these large profits without paying a fair wage. And then they don't pay taxes. That's another thing. And then we're the ones who are paying 
for the fucking problems that are people having right now, the middle class. When you have to pay, you have, we subsidize the system. We pay 100% into the system that pays for this welfare shit. And the lion's share go back to the corporations. They get a tax break. The fucking CEO takes home $20 million and a fucking worker doesn't make enough money so to, to eat or whether he can eat or pay for his cancer treatment. And that's fair. And that's livable. Why some scumbag if, holds fucking seven jets and 10 houses. It's okay, not and, fair. And, 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 and again, outlier. Up. And again, outlier. When I personally know, hold on, not an outlier. When I personally, part of the culture. When I personally, personally, it's not an outlier. It's not an outlier, man. It's not an outlier. I personally, they are the driver that have gone out of business in the last year. They didn't have jets. They didn't have any of that. They just went out of business because this pandemic broke down their business. Small business. That happened. That's the majority. That happened. But it's okay. But it's okay. But it's okay for them to go out of business. But it's not okay. That's not okay. So not okay. If the business doesn't generate a profit, nobody's got a job. Okay. Nobody's got a job. Great. So miss you, me you, with I that shit. That. But, but if the you're purpose an entrepreneur, of the business is to no, generate if you're an a entrepreneur, profit. If it if doesn't generate a profit, nobody got a job. Hold on, hold on, if hold, on. Entrepreneur, hold on. Does that mean generate dictate? Does that they mean don't to get generate a profit? Does that mean generate a profit at the cost of another human being's life? Does that mean not because, generate a profit? So I can hold on, hold on, hold on. Answer my Ooh. question first. Oh, Does um, that mean generate a profit at all costs? No, no, it doesn't. No, I don't think. Okay, so then some things have to be negotiated. There have to be a ethics. person. A person that lists mm -hmm. that that works for you should be able to live. Hey, how about we continue this on the live? <laughs> Let's yeah. do it. This show's over. Let's do it. Wrap this up. Did we get to two topics? No, not at no, all. we did not. No. Not I knew this was going to go hard. This one, this one's going to go hard. <laughs> All right, guys. Cuffing season has officially started. And where else can you get your cuffs and all things in your sexual survival kit? But Creamy.one. Creamy.one. Creamy is your premier source for adult toys and goods. They carry unique brands for empowered singles and couples interested in exploring their sexuality. So head over to Creamy.one. That's C-R-E-A-M-I-E dot O-N-E. Don't forget to use code DECODEN40 for that 15% discount. Creamy dot one. Let's get back to the show. We are blessed and honored to have very, very, very special guests. These gentlemen started in 1991, created an institution which is 30 years old. They've hosted some of the earliest lyrical performances of some of the best foundational hip-hop artists in history. They are the co-founders of the Lyricist check, check, Lounge. Check, check. They are a staple in the New York City nightlife, active promoters for party and nightlife promotions, and they still do brand activations today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Decoding 40, Danny Castro and Aunt Marshall. What's up, my brothers? How are you? First of all, so y'all are funny as hell. Y'all are definitely have me cracking up. Thank you for being here. So let, let, let's get into it. For those people who are living under a rock or, or may not know, what is the Lyricist Lounge? Where did you guys come from and how did you get started? Yeah, uh, just to jump in. I mean, Lyricist Lounge. So we started, as you said, 30 years ago. It started as really like a showcase for up and coming artists. Uh, we were a bunch of dancers going to, uh, you know, high school with, you know, folks like Most Def and Big L and a number of folks and, you know, hanging out with people like Quali and others that were in Washington Square Park. And it really just became something that we wanted to get better at as MCs, you know. And so we took this concept indoors, uh, had a mentor and really kind of developed this idea of, you know, freestyling off the head, you know, making, you know, it wasn't even about songs at that point. It was just really about developing the craft. From there, it kind of snowballed into so many other things, man, you know, uh, developing several tours, well, really going from studio days into more of a showcase, being more professional from the showcases, evolving into more of a tour situation, the albums, uh, into the television show, you name it. What was but the venue was you guys started at? First, really, it was a uh, a loft on Orchard Street 
So it's just really a, a rehearsal space with like, mm. you know, a bunch of broken drums and broken drumsticks and like a tape deck and some talent. Folks are really talented and that's that's really what made it. From there, uh, the first venue venue was uh, a spot called uh, Muse, the Muse. Like the, the Muse, bar. what was the Muse at? Place? That was uh, down on it's meatpacking, right? Mm-hmm. Meatpacking. Yeah, history. yeah, wow. Yeah. That's when we wanted to become more. We was like, oh, we got to become more professional. Like, <laughs> let's, you know, <laughs> let's go somewhere. Let's go somewhere professional. Let's go to, to the Muse. So when you it guys. used to be Mars. I don't know if, how far back you guys go. With I remember that like, too. 2112 or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Mars mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, this is a weird time for me because I lived in Nashville. This is when I went away from school and I lived in Nashville for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really get that New York nightlife like you, you guys got. Mm-hmm. So only when I would come back, you know, someone would be like, oh, we need to go to this spot. Oh, uh, you must sell, man. I know. And then I'd drink too much and I'd forget what spot I was at. And then so, and then <laughs> the, cycle, <laughs> the cycle continues. <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, New York, you know, nightclubs back in those days, for anybody that's listening, you know, it, it was uh, it was a different thing. I started going out when I was 14 years old, you know, and at 14, where you could get fake ID on 42nd Street, it was a different time. The international student identification. I got one yes. of those. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is, that what, is that what they call it? <laughs> I think that's what the ID said. It was it was like, uh, yeah, it was the McLovin. Um, it was, I, I don't think any I don't think any doorman at any New York City club believe that those IDs were real. No. They was just like, they just appreciated the effort so they let you yeah. in anyway. Mm. Exactly. Well, you know what? I, I was lucky. I had I had like the fucking Abraham Lincoln's like beard because I had like the beard but no mustache. So <laughs> they, they, uh-huh. they were like, this guy might be 21. I don't know. He does have facial hair. He, he might be mustache. Amish. I'm not sure. He might sure. be Amish. Yo, he's Amish. Yo, he's Amish. Uh, These <laughs> Puerto Rican Amish is crazy out here right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Eli. Oh, Eli wants to party. Eli Ezekiel must be on his mission. <laughs> this, nigga, this nigga got a horse. He got a horse and carriage outside right now. That is Ezekiel. With rims on it. He got a, he got a carriage with rims on it. We're with gonna ride. Sister. These rims ain't gonna spend themselves, brother. <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to get it in before I milk these cows. I'm trying to get you know, it in. Exactly. That's it. That's it. But uh yeah, that reminds me because in high school, all the ladies would get into Bentleys and uh, <laughs> I'd be looking at them like, yeah, I went to a club club? <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> you had to wear hard would, bottoms. Right, right. To I would try to get into Limelight and all the other clubs. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, from there, we really just kind of kept doing what we were doing, trying to get better and better at what we were doing. You know, as as young kids in the business, we really didn't know what we were doing. But yeah, we brought, you know, Eminem out in, in like 96. You know, mm-hmm. We did the Bad Boy launch party hosted by Puff and Big in 93. And that was classic. And so, you know, a lot of classic nights, man. A lot, a lot of classic events. Big came on like went early in his career, right? Yeah, 93. Good Dakota 40 family. This is it. Here to let you know that you can now catch Dakota 40 after dark on a new day and time. Thursdays, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So pour yourself a nice glass of something, something to unwind and come kicking with the crew this and every Thursday night at 10 p.m. on the East Coast, 7 p.m. on the West for Dakota 40 after dark. So much has been changing, you know, in, in our world and in our space and, you know, the divorce rates are through the roof and all that kind of stuff. So, but what do you guys think about, um, and I know you guys all have an experience of being in the household, but what do you feel like the impact is of, of having a fatherless household? Well, I guess I have a kind of a best of lack of a better quote. I mean, word is best of both worlds situation where it's not the best, but I have, I've been a full-time father to my youngest since she's been born. And my oldest was from a previous relationship and I wasn't in the house all the time. And I, I have two, two daughters, right? So, um, you know, 
I, I think, you know, what the original the original quote was or the original uh, topic I think I had brought up was the impact that it, it is on, you know, we, we, we emphasize so much on, you know, fathers and sons, but we never really talk about fathers and daughters. Uh, Rick has the best of both worlds right now because he has a son and a daughter. Elle has two sons. Mac, you have a young girl. For me, however, I've noted I noticed the difference between the relationship I have with my youngest as opposed to my oldest. It's very difficult. And with my oldest, I think I developed a lot of guilt because of it and overcompensating for it because I wasn't there 24 hours a day. And being a weekend dad as opposed to a full time dad is is two different things. It's difficult. And then having both of them, you know, anytime I have both my girls with me, I, you know, it's the best feeling in the world um, to have both my girls with me at the same time, you know, uh, in the same space, having conversations and just watching them. But for my oldest, not being there all the time, it definitely had some effect on how she's moved through the world just from personal experiences and conversations. She knows me. But she knows me as the weekend dad. And when you're a weekend dad, as opposed to a full-time dad, you got to basically put everything that you've wanted to put in, in let's say a two-week period, in two days, in a weekend. So every weekend had to be especially special, as opposed to being a full-time father where it's like, ah, clean the fucking dishes, let's da 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 you know what I mean? So it's a big difference. And it, it wasn't until my oldest was living with me and my youngest, of course, is there, and they got into a fight and their perception of how their life is. So my young, my oldest is like, you're lucky you've had dad full time all your life. And my youngest is like, well, dad's not a picnic either. So it was <laughs> because, you know, I'm a human being. They have these different perceptions of how each other's life was based on my relationship with them. Like I said before, my oldest got the best of me for those two days. My youngest just gets me all the time. And sometimes I can be, you know, I'm a, like I said, I'm a human being. I'm not, I'm not a Cliff Huxtable. So I love both my children more than anything. They're the best thing that I've ever done in my life. But the key is, honestly, from my perspective, is that you have to give them love. You have to really talk to them because women, especially are up against so many different odds in this world. I mean, right now, I'm, my, my youngest the other day comes to me and said, Dad, you know, I was walking down the block for the bus and I got catcalled. And I was like, who was it? And what do they look like? The next time it happens, you let me know. Because instantly, no matter how old they are, they're, this, they're helpless to you. They're these little babies you held for the first time. Because I walked down the block with her one day when she said she was getting catcalled. I didn't bring no weapons out. I had something with me just in case. But I was like, I wish a motherfucker would. Because mm -hmm. your children are the most important thing in your life. I love my children. Don't necessarily like them all the time. I'm going to keep it real. Sometimes I want to knock them in the head. But no one can fuck with your kids. As a father who's had the weekend dad and the full-time dad, it's, it's a hell of a big experience. You know, I, I'm glad, you know, I can only say I'm glad that you guys you're in a situation where you had your children with your wife and you you this is all you know because that weekend dad shit is it puts a lot of stress on you it puts a lot of strain on you and then you see the repercussions of it when they get older and it's just a lot it's just a lot i mean that's that's basically all i got to say on the subject man you know well, I was going to say, I actually did experience the weekend dad situation when my wife and I were separated and you're right it it is a lot because it requires you to and I, I guess my situation is still different because I went from being married when all they knew was me in the house to not being in the house. But you do have to make all those moments as special as possible and um, still trying to figure out what co-parenting is when, you know, the two of you are not necessarily seeing eye to eye is is challenging. But I am reminded about something that I saw recently that said one of the things that fathers do is offer validation for their children. And I think as a child who has grown up without a father in the home, I definitely, that definitely resonates with me because there's a lot of times where I have self-doubt. And I've, I've talked about this in therapy and um, uh, with a few people is that 
I don't have like old Negroidian energy around me. Like I have to actually seek it out because my uncles um, have passed away. My relationship with my father is strained. So everything that I do not have, I am trying to provide for my sons. And um, it creates a greater burden on me because even though I've sort of unwound myself of the Superman complex, when it comes to them, it still is prevalent because I want to be all that I can be for them. And I want to protect them from as many things as possible. But at the same time, I have to realize that they have a life to live and they have to experience certain things. And I've started to pull back in the in, in a way where if they make certain decisions, I want them to deal with the uh, ramifications of those decisions. And they're not major decisions. So like one kid might have an outfit that looks absolutely ridiculous, but they picked it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I have to respect their decision-making process un- unless my wife can't deal with it. She's like, no, that doesn't match. But I, I think having them comfortable with making decisions and realizing that every decision has some consequences um, that follow is an important lesson for them to learn. But just in terms of being a father, I think it is, there's a balance that is present. And I'm mindful that we have single um, parent households that listen to the show. Having grown up in a single parent household, yes, there, there was a, a sense of belonging and there was a sense of protection and safety. But at the same time, there was a feeling of, I don't feel whole in this space. Mm-hmm. And that's because my father was in the household until maybe about 10 or 11. And then after that, it just felt like something was missing. There was an absolute void in that house. We're the first generation, I think, that has accepted therapy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, every every generation after us, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, something that is accepted and but we kind of we broke that mold right because our fathers or parents with therapy like what the fuck are you kidding me especially in the community of color crazy right exactly especially in the community of color where you know we don't want to go to doctor for anything let alone our heads so you know it's (laughs) you better call on jesus exactly you know so (laughs) and then you know trying we you know you said something earlier and i said we, we we don't have a blueprint you know we've kind of over sometimes in a sense overcompensated and spoiled our children to the point where you know my 14 year old has never had tap water right she's drank <laughs> Poland springs her entire life and like we drank from hoses so it's like mm. there's and, there, and we, fire hydrants exactly so we went we went from one extreme to the next we think sometimes we're doing something good for them but, you know, we, 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 you know, we're I mean, we're a country of extremes. We go from one extreme to the next. And I think that, you know, being a father, there's no there's no fucking blueprint to it. If if you think that you have access to the best resources, you're going to give that to your kids. And that's all that they know. If you think that tap water is not acceptable to drink, you're going to give them Poland Springs to drink. But, Leon, when you were talking about balance, right, I remember. Back in the day, I worked in in I worked in Grand Central, busy as Grand Central Station, and probably it was probably rush hour, probably afternoon rush hour, and this dad has this two year old, maybe maybe a year and a half, maybe two year old, and this two year old is ripping through Grand Central, just running all over the place, going crazy, and the dad is slowly just walking behind her, and she is tearing through Grand Central Station like, ah, every once in a while she looked behind her to see, look behind herself to see if, if dad's still there. Mm. And then she keeps running. And I thought to myself, there is no way in the world that my mother would allow me to do that. A mother's going to say, no way you are sitting <laughs> right by my side and you're not moving. But a father who is constantly behind and sees what's happening gives that child the confidence to run. And that's what father's purposes are. Yeah? So that's how you develop that balance. Mother is always going to be that protector, you know, to keep you close, right? Give you that nurture, give you that hug, but fathers are supposed to give you that confidence to go out into the world and do something for yourself. 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, my parents were divorced when I was really young, but my father was always a presence in my life, whether I liked it or not, you know, um, because it was, there was a lot of resentment. There was a lot of hurt feelings because whatever happened between them, but you know, he wasn't in the house, you know, he, whatever difficulties my mother was going through, I automatically, it was his fault because he wasn't in the house. So, but, you know, as a kid and not really understanding what adult relationships are and, and, and how complicated those dynamics can be, it's easier to make it like black and white. But what I'm trying to do for my own kids is I'm trying to I'm trying to correct all of the things that I felt were flawed in, in my upbringing. But there were a lot of good things that I'm also trying to bring to their, their upbringing. You know, and, it, and sometimes it's small things. It's small things like, you know, eating dinner together. That doesn't happen everywhere. That doesn't right. happen everywhere for everyone. Right? right. And talking to them, like, what happened in school today? Or what happened on the playground today? Or what happened uh, in daycare today? And, like, I'm genuinely interested in hearing what their day was like. And that doesn't, you know, always happen for, for kids. And I feel like with doing those things and allowing them to at least go halfway up the block on their scooter without telling them to stop, you know, I'm giving them that freedom to run. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully I'm giving them that freedom to run. You know, that, that's my, that's my goal here. The best thing is those, uh, those accomplishments. I never, I'll never forget. And I still have it on videotape the day I took my daughter's training wheels off in the park and you have expectations. I hope this child don't break her fucking head. Like, I hope she don't hurt herself. And to take the training wheels off and literally within a minute or two, her riding the bike like it was nothing. I was just fucking amazed. And the one thing that I have in common with both my daughters is that I taught both of them how to ride a bike. And when you take those training wheels off and they, I mean, she was riding that fucking bike. You know, at that time, my mom was still alive. So I remember sending the video to my mom and and sending it to my wife. And she was so proud of herself. And it's those little moments that no matter how big they get, you have those things. Because the mom does so much for the child, right? Especially if we're out there working and busting. But when you have those specific moments of accomplishment with your children, that means the world, man. And, you know, well, who taught you how to, you know, tie your shoes? Dad did. Who taught you how to ride a bike? Dad did. So those things, you can't take those things away from you. You know what I mean? So those little moments are the best thing in the world, man. And, you know, you're going to see it, Rick, when, you know, when you teach the little ones how to ride a bike or when you teach your son how to throw a ball, catch the ball, like all those things that I think that's the payoff, right? The, the, that those little things they get that in their life is insignificant to them. But to you, it's the world. As fathers, man, we just got to, we got to put the work in. It's hard sometimes, but they're the best things that ever happened to us, I think. I put my daughter, my nine-month-old daughter, in a swing for the first time. And it was the most magical thing to me because I realized that this had happened to me, that my parents had put me on a swing at some point, but I wasn't present to, this is the first time I'm on a swing. And I just pushed her and pushed her and I washed her face and she was taking in motion in that way for the first time. And it was very surreal for me to just watch her take in this, the concept of motion for the first time. And I dig what you're saying, Vin, because I really was like, it was probably more of a moment for me than it was for her. But there's all of these firsts that you watch them take in and you get to teach them and train them all of these things. And, and it's, um, it's amazing, man. It's fascinating. It was, it was, it was a really good day for me just to watch her be on that swing. It was really nice. I've said this a hundred times before. If you're lucky enough, you get to see the birth of your children. That's the only thing that you can say, honestly, that you fall in love with. Uh, not thing. That's the only person that you'll instantly fall in love with off the rip. Like there is no like courting period. It's, it's just you, the child comes out, you hold the child. And I never forget holding my oldest for the first time. And just saying, I love you, I love you. And it's instant. It's just an instant, you know. And, and again, if you think about 
how, you know, women go through postpartum and things of that nature. That's not something that a man necessarily goes through because we don't carry a child for nine months like they do. So we, we're lucky in that way that we instantly and I'm sure there's men out there that don't find the connection. I, I don't I don't understand it, but, you know, because it, it, that's not nothing that I had to deal with. But to hold that child for the first time and know that you will fucking do anything for this child is the best feeling in the world. What's up, world? This is Danny Castro from the Lyricist Lounge. You're going here with my partner, Ed Marshall, and you're now listening to Decoding 40. Else just started a website called uh, LOScomplaints.com. You want to file a complaint? I don't have time. A lot of people don't have time to complain. They could just call you or text you, and then L will actually tear somebody down. This is obviously what you have to do. <laughs> LOScomplaints.com. Three horrible reviews. Six scathing emails. At least one call to someone who is an official. <laughs> I'd like to upgrade my complaint to fuck you. That's the fuck you department. <laughs> Let me transfer you to Vin. <laughs> fuck you department. Highly trained, dedicated call center team. We don't have a manager for you. What the fuck? We remind you every week. Just calling me names. How do you think that makes me feel? You hypocritical motherfucker. I'm not the owner of the store, so you have to call back. How long does it matter? Tell me one more time, I'm gonna call the police. Yeah, we don't give a shit. Anything else? Fuck out of here. Camping out? Fuck out of here. Apologize. LOScomplaints.com. Three tiers. Moderately just scathing reviews. The fuck you department, and then there's me. I'm the third option. Nuclear. Would you like to upgrade to nuclear for ninety nine ninety five? How can I help you? Fuck you and everything you think you stand for. Ellos.complaints.com. I'm absolutely here for this. <laughs> <laughs> there was a um the a company General. that I was dealing with, and it was one of the companies that I think I had reached out for us to do a partnership with and they never responded. Then I got this horrible service. So in the comment, I get a feedback uh, email and in the comment I say, not only do you shit on your customers, you don't even give a fuck about African Americans and trying to work with us and collaborate with us. Do you, I got an email and response and a call the next fucking day. I was no. like, this is obviously what you have to do. A lot they of people like, have stepped it we're up. We're not going to work with your podcast, but we're sorry. Right. Yeah. I wrote a 350-word complaint email <laughs> at like 8.50 p.m. at night. Forgot about it. I was like, you guys suck. Here's why you suck. Whatever. Forgot about it. The next day, the customer service department called me. Then the head of the whatever development called me. And then the CEO sends me an email. He says, Mac. I'm the CEO of this company. I want you to know that we pay attention to these things. If my team hasn't resolved this, here is my personal phone number. You call me. I just want to make sure that you are satisfied with our service. I'm like, I was so blown away. I was like, my dude, I only spent, I forgot what it was. I spent like $72 with you. It wasn't that deep, but I wanted you to know that the product mm, wasn't You let working. him off the hook? Yeah, really. No, no I, I didn't. didn't. I didn't. You know he gave you a sideline phone number, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. that nigga at 2.30 in the morning. Hello, Jim? Yeah. <laughs> Still hasn't been no. resolved yet. That shit goes to so, Albuquerque. Right, right, right. I thought he was sliding me. <laughs> that and then, call and then goes he, to Albuquerque. And he, he was like, you don't understand. He goes, there's not a lot of people that put the level of detail into their complaint like you did. So mm. what he offered me was to do product testing for them and be a beta tester. He was like, we want people like you who can articulate what their problems are, not just complain about them. And you're black. Wow, we're you, gonna put we're gonna put you to work. Yeah, well, free. free. And you're black. It's great. Something I mean, like it solves it's two stories. But but I get the product for free. I get the product for free. So I, I don't drug. have to pay it for it anymore. So shout hold out. Up, hold up. Anyway. Hold up. Thank you, Doc. So so you're a beta taste you're a beta tester for butt cream? Is that what the oh. product was? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it exfoliates my ass. I have the clearest ass. I've got, <laughs> you, you know, Vin, you're, you're kind of obsessed with the asshole. You are kind I'm of a little obsessed. worried about it. I'm a little worried Don't about this, bro. He, he told us that. I don't know.
don't even know how we got over here, but anyway. Because I'm here. Everywhere <laughs> yeah, it goes there, yeah. Exactly. Oh, he did. He did. He yeah. Vin, where did this fixation come with you? And the reason I'm laughing about the butt cream thing is because I'm using a lot of desitin. Um, but, you know. I, wh- <laughs> what? Wow, it, you are really getting yourself? personal. Hey, no, bro. for the baby. But for the baby, I have a baby. For the baby, you you animals. No, Thank you. No, no, don't use the baby as a shield. <laughs> I'm not using the desitin on myself, you moron. I'm using it. Like <laughs> hold up, hold up, Mac. We've went through three tubes. It's not the baby. <laughs> Listen, we're getting a desitin for free. Stop it. All right. <laughs> I'm a beta tester. Shit. Fine. I'm a beta tester for Destin. <laughs> I'm a beta tester for Destin. <laughs> I'm using this shit on everything. I'm using this shit to, cl- to, to, to fucking fix the squeaks of the fucking doors. Excuse me, sir. It doesn't feel as good as it used to. I would like you to improve the formula. That's It's hilarious. not as soothing. All right. It's, it's not All as slippery right. as it used to be. Oh, my God. <sighs> I remember. <laughs> I remember when we had controls on this show. That's it for this year. Stay tuned for even more exciting episodes in 2022. Decoding. 40. Out. Decoding 40.